بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي All praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We praise him, we seek his assistance and we seek his forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala From the evil of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon the none can misguide And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon the none can guide And the peace and salutations be upon the final messenger Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger My dear brothers and sisters Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome to our 13th uh, lesson in the series provisions for the hereafter as we traverse through the summarized version uh, of Zad al-Ma'ad provisions for the hereafter uh, a book written by Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah and summarized by uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab uh, rahimahullah um, brothers and sisters um, in the past lessons we started diving into the um, um, guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam related to um, the prayer. The prayer. It's something you should all be reading and revising. As I said, it's uh, a bit fiqh heavy at the moment, uh, and um, the scope of this class does not include uh, the different fiqh uh, opinions. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's good for you to read it and become enlightened as a result of it. Um, and uh, this class should not be a means, I just want to remind everybody again, it shouldn't be a means for confusion or for you to doubt that which you have been taught by your scholars thus far. Um, however, become enlightened by it, because uh, the more we learn, uh, the more sensitive we become, the more... Uh, pleasant we become both to ourselves and other people, right? We don't we, we, we avoid becoming uh, difficult with ourselves and with other people with regards to matters of religion. So there's also benefit, and also the other benefit, no doubt, is that you uh, you know generate for yourself a good grasp of the book, and this is what knowledge entails. Knowledge requires patience, um, and it requires uh, patience because knowledge requires effort, and effort is not usually um, an easy thing to. Uh, you know, to practice, right? Um, but if we look at the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and even when we look at the Quran, um, we see that whenever our Sharia speaks about knowledge, it's always synonymous with patience. Um, and for our da'wah workers here, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the same rule of thumb applies that um, if you want to work for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to be patient because greater effort uh, is required. Greater effort is required. And one of the efforts that is required when seeking knowledge or working in the da'wah is growing your iman to a level in which uh, or by which you always know and remember that you are definitely getting uh, paid uh, for your work uh, and a pay far greater than any pay of this dunya and that pay is, is, is uh, rewards that will benefit us um, both in this world and the next. Uh, so developing your iman to this level is important because this is what keeps you going. What happens is shaitan uh, you know, tries to effect a state of mind whereby um, we begin thinking and feeling uh, that we're not benefiting. Why? Because um, he he removes patience, or he tries to remove patience from our life. 
So he attacks our sense of patience. And because we're not uh, tangibly feeling or, or, or you know, witnessing uh, the fruits of our labor, uh, we tend to forget that as a Muslim, we look at life not just till the grave, but till beyond the grave. So uh, it's not that we're not getting the rewards now or not feeling the fruits of our labor now that we've lost, uh, you know, um, everything. No, that's not the case. The reality is we, you know, our, there's still a long way to go in terms of our life. A long way to go in terms of our life. And that's a fact. Uh, yes, in terms of the life of this dunya, it's short. But in terms of our life as a whole, there's a long way to go. There's still the life of the grave. There's still the life of the day of Qiyamah. There's still the everlasting life uh, of Jannah, inshallah. May Allah place us in Jannah all together. Ameen. Right? So, um, a person who is patient doesn't give up, or doesn't feel the need to give up, or doesn't uh, become hyperventilated. Why? Because they know that, look, I am being rewarded and uh, there's still time. Right? So when shaitan attacks patience... What happens is motivation is lost. Why? Because we say, look, how are we benefiting? And this is the biggest thing, really, uh, in my experience with da'wah workers, with students of knowledge, you know, when there's lack of motivation, I say to them, why do you lack motivation? When the work that you do is motivating in and of itself. Why is it that the first thing you want to give up is your da'wah work? Why is it the first thing that you want to give up or reduce is, 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 is your, your journey seeking knowledge? Why? Why do you feel that uh, this is, uh, other things are more of a priority uh, over uh, this other work that you do? Why? And uh, clearly it's a case of shaitan having attacked this concept of patience in the life of this person uh, and them uh, reaching a stage where they feel uh, more desperate to uh, apply uh, themselves to that which brings about benefit now. That which will, you know, uh, make me feel benefit now. And as a result, uh, we give up uh, the better for lesser. Or we reduce the better for lesser. And uh, this was the case of the people before us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala time and time again uh, tells us that their situation was a situation uh, in which they, they, they became a victim of time. Meaning they became attached to this dunya. That's what happened to them and that's why uh, they went astray. And I really advise everyone here to read a good book by Imam Ibn al-Jawzi. Rahimahullah. I'm pretty sure it's translated in the English language by now. It's called uh, Tablis Iblis. Okay, um, if our note taker can just put it on the whiteboard please. I think it's Sister Madia. Hafidahullah, may Allah preserve her. Uh, Tablis, uh, Iblis is a good book for us to read because subhanallah, you know, the, the Imam, uh, he goes through so many different subtle, um, you know, uh, areas uh, by which uh, Iblis can deceive us. Subhanallah, and, and, and when you read it, you'll actually start rethinking your life. You'll start thinking, hold on a second here. You know, I've always thought I am okay, I'm, 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 I'm on a good way. Um, I'm far from uh, the deception of, of Iblis. But subhanallah, uh, little do you know is that in some areas of our lives, we're actually living the deception of Iblis. May Allah protect us. Right? Can I just request everybody to mute their microphones because there's a background noise coming into the classroom from somebody's house. Jazakumullah uh, khairan. So, this is a good book for you to have on your shelf. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, and a good book for you uh, to read. 
a good book for you uh, to read and revise and read it with the family as well. Subhanallah. I mean, even for students of knowledge, even for scholars, there's, there's so many points. I mean, one of the important pieces I came across um, the other day was... Um, there's, <laughs> I'm not sure who has the microphone unmuted. I can actually you know, the, hear the baby crying coming into the classroom. It's... Um, slightly disturbing for everybody. Um, I, I don't mind your child crying at home, but you just need to mute your microphones, everybody, please. Jazakumullah khair. Um, so one of the points of uh, Imam Ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, uh, that um, I came across was his statement related to uh, the scholars. And uh, he says that um, a scholar... Um, you know, loses that credibility of a scholar uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when um, that particular scholar um, begins to attach love for position in um, his scholarship. And uh, he goes forth and explains uh, how love for position can come about in one's scholarship. And he says that comes about when you become sad or disturbed by another scholar being given a platform uh, rather than yourself. Subhanallah. Right? So he goes, you know, just that concern that you have. He says, this is uh, an area that you should address immediately. Right? This is a hole in your firewall. I'm paraphrasing, I'm saying it, I'm just giving an explanation. He didn't actually say hole in the firewall. But for those who understand the language of IT, uh, it's a hole in your firewall that shaitan has penetrated. You've got to address it immediately. Right? He says, this is a, sometimes you might not even think it that, you know, this is an, an issue with my sincerity and my, my, my seeking of knowledge for the sake of Allah. You know, sometimes shaitan deceives you and, and says that, no, it's okay for you to feel like this because you're feeling like this because, you know, you, you, you want to race to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you wish to have the platform than the other person. Subhanallah, this is a very subtle uh, deception of shaitan, right? So uh, Ibn al-Jawzi in his book, Tablis Iblis, he's saying that no, uh, this is not the case. This is not the case. Uh, the reality is that you need to check your intention. It's not the case that you're okay uh, having these feelings. The reality is there's a problem with your intention because you should be happy if a scholar has a position to teach good because uh, you know the world you want to create uh, which is uh, being a means of guidance uh, for the people is the same world that that particular scholar wants to create as well. So the work of that scholar is helping you see the world you wish to create. You know, and, and Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah likens it to a doctor and says, you know, if a doctor cures somebody, then it's not compre- you know, you can't comprehend another doctor feeling upset that that person got cured. No, another doctor would be happy that the other person got cured, even if the cure uh, or, the, or the success in terms of medical practice happened on, uh, upon the hands of another doctor, right? But the reality is the cure happened. And uh, this is what every doctor wants. So, ala kulli hal, I'm just giving you certain examples, my dear brothers and sisters, because we're discussing how important it is to have patience when you seek uh, knowledge. And uh, as I said earlier, if we look at the sunnah, uh, if we look at the sharia, and uh, the texts the, 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 the text of the sharia, uh, we actually find that um, 
you know, if you ponder over the text, you actually see the Sharia telling you that listen, knowledge is not going to come to you easy. Knowledge is not going to come to you easy. Knowledge is going to come to you after great effort, right? After you 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 put in uh, the hours, right? Uh, that's when knowledge is going to come to you. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Man salaka tariqan, whoever treads a path." Seeking knowledge, yaltamisu fihi ilman. Seeking knowledge, sahal Allahu lahu bihi tariqan ila jannah. Allah subhanahu wa taala will make his way to jannah easy. Now note the first word, man salaka tariqan. Whoever treads a path, right? Treading a path needs effort. That's the reality. It needs effort, right? And the examples are countless in the Sharia. I mean, today's talk is not about the, uh, the importance of seeking knowledge, but nonetheless, it's a worthy introduction. The other thing I wanted to discuss, my dear brothers and sisters, before we move uh, into our discussion about uh, salah, is um, that, uh, or is related to what we're seeing in the world today, and uh, the need for us to rethink our priorities. I think we've all been uh, witnessing the news this week and how countries are voting to uh, go ahead and, air and, and, and go ahead with airstrikes uh, in Raqqa and, um, and these areas uh, for the sake of rooting out terrorism. And um, you know, many people have views about this. It's been hectic uh, on, on social media. It's been been hectic uh, in terms of my own emails. Uh, you know, people engaging me. Uh, everybody's looking for uh, a response. Everybody, you know, wants uh, Sheikh so and so to respond, to get on his Facebook page, get on his Twitter page, and and, and write big things um, about uh, the politics of today and the decisions of politicians today. And um, the reason why I'm saying we need to rethink our priorities, and, and I shared this on, on a reflection that I sent out last night on the Telegram channel. Inshallah, most of you are on that channel. Um, and the reflection that I shared uh, was uh, related to this particular point, rethinking our priorities. Because uh, the bottom line today, my dear brothers and sisters, is, is even if we go on Facebook and, and, st- and stick on messages, um, that message is not going to stop the planes flying, it's not going to stop the bombs falling. That's the reality, right? Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't speak out and offer guidance on social media, especially those who are working in the da'wah and they have people under them and they have um, uh, you know, a, a following and, and, and they have a people who take guidance from them. Yes, uh, you must speak out. However, we must realize that it's more important to um, give more of our resources to uh, those aspects that are considered proactive in our life and not reactionary. You know, um, the need to put out a post uh, and message um, is more reactionary than proactive. I'm not saying we shouldn't have reactionary matters in our life. We should have reactionary matters in our life. Uh, However, those reactionary matters should only be in our life if being reactionary is from being proactive. You know, being reactionary is like medicine in in my view. We use it um, just as we use medication. We use it in the right dosage uh, or using the right dosage for the right amount of time. Right? It, it's not normal if somebody's taking medication every day. This is, this is an abnormal situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Ameen. Um, so, uh, what I'm trying to say is that it's more uh, beneficial for us, wallahi, to fix ourselves then 
commenting on uh, the world situation today in our gatherings, in our discussions in groups, and so on and so forth. It's more better for us to develop a better salah, develop a better wudu, uh, increase our dua, uh, give more charity. Um, it's, this is better for us, my dear brothers and sisters, right? Um, it's better for us to do this than to spend all of our time discussing something that we have no role in changing. That's, and that's a fact. And this is testimony to the weakness of the ummah today and weakness of us as individuals, right? We are not going to stop the bombs falling. We are not going to stop politicians misrepresenting us by going on social media or signing petitions or walking in the streets. This is a fact. This is a reality. How many people have protested? How many thousands and hundreds of thousands have gone out there? And things have still gone ahead. And uh, the cries and shouts have fallen on deaf ears. This is a fact, my dear brothers and sisters. We've, we waste that whole day doing that. When you could have created uh, a greater impact by just becoming a better Muslim today. And the reason why I'm saying this, my dear brothers and sisters, is we need to think long term. And we need to think about fixing the world 50 years from now. And fixing the world 50 years from now, or should I say, we need to start creating a voice for ourselves. And that voice for ourselves might only uh, come about in 50 years time. But the work uh, related to creating a voice for ourselves starts today. Starts today. Because Allah will not change our situation until we change our situation ourselves. And by Allah, this ummah never fell into weakness except after leaving the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Rasul. And this is a fact. This is a fact. This, you know, even the Islamic empires, they never fell until they began to bring about laws other than the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into their courts. Wallahi, I can spend another few hours discussing this in terms of the historical transformation of, of the Islamic judicial system, right? And, 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 and how uh, codified laws of other civilizations uh, became translated into the language uh, of the Muslim empires then, into Arabic, into Turkish, and then became a big part of the implementation in judicial law whereby courts began ruling by codified law of other civilizations and leaving the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused weakness upon weakness upon weakness to fall upon them until um, uh, the empire ceased to exist altogether. So Allah, we must understand, we've got to go back to the basics before the grave, my dear brothers and sisters. It's all good to shout, shout out. It's all good to put a Facebook message, a Twitter message, and express our anger. And then go have a nice peaceful night's sleep and take our family out for dinner. And, and this is what happens, really. To be honest, if you contemplate it, you know the ability to express is a means for those people of responsibility to be free of, 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 of us. That's the reality. Because the moment you go out and march, and you go out and express, khalas, you know, you got it out of your system, you got it out of your chest. There's no need to rant anymore. I did what I did, now I can go back to life. Right? But if a person says, you know what, I'm going to put in the real hours, I'm going to do the real work, I am going to create a voice for the Ummah 50 years from now by acknowledging that that work starts now, and uh, that starts by bettering myself, bettering my spouse, bettering my family, bettering my siblings, bettering my parents, bettering my home, and then my neighbor's home, and then the next neighbor's home, and then the neighborhood, and then inshallah uh, the vicinity, and then inshallah the town, and then the city, and then the country, and then the neighboring countries, and then the continent. A person who thinks this way is a person who will not love to sleep at night. 
and will love to wake up the next day. Because this person is a person that realizes that no matter how much I do, my situation is the case of so little done, so much to do. And um, you are constantly busy till the day you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's how you leave a, a real impact, my dear brothers and sisters. Today we're reading a book of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, a book that was written centuries ago. Centuries ago. Right? Uh, subhanallah. Hal, I just wanted to share these things because, um, as I said, the main idea from our time together is tarbiyah, is developing one another, especially for those who are da'wah workers. And I wanted to share this point because each and every one of you have people that report to you. You have organizations, you have conferences that you run, you have organizations that you, you run, right? It's important that you, you know this message. And look, I'm not saying that, that what I'm saying is, 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 is everything. I'm here to, to learn from you as well. Right? And as I said in the Telegram broadcast uh, last night, please write to me, teach me, inform me. And, and this is one of the other benefits I wanted to receive from our time together, that you grow me as a human being, and I grow you as a human being. We work together upon albir and at-taqwa. We work together upon goodness and uh, piety. Um, and this is what love for the sake of Allah entails. And I'm hoping that your situation with me is one where you love me for the sake of Allah, as is my situation with you, for indeed I love you all for the sake of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding, may Allah grant us patience, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us wisdom, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, uh, grant us the peace that is required now uh, to really effect um, the, 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 the creation of a better world tomorrow. Wallahi, I'm the same like you. I worry about my children. I worry about... Uh, wallahi, I worry about my children. I know you worry about your children. I know we feel what we feel because, you know, we, we, I came across a person who actually said, I, I don't want to have children. I said, why? Uh, the Prophet ﷺ wants a big ummah. He says, Wallahi, what, what world should I... Uh, am I going to bring? Am I going to be a means of bringing children into? How how will I know that? Um, how will I be at peace knowing that this this, this one human being that I love uh, will have to face the world that the world is today? And I was a means of uh, this person's difficulty. Subhanallah. I mean, you know, there's different forms of depression setting upon the ummah, no doubt. And this is what what weakness breeds. Weakness breeds this, subhanAllah, when you see oppression and you, you, you can't change it. When, when you see wrong and you can't change it. When, when common sense is no more common and you can't change it. I mean, yani, uh, today, we, you know, uh, we talk about learning from history. Wallahi, uh, we, uh, to forget about learning from history. Today, people are not even learning from memories that are fresh in their minds. That's the, that's the reality. It's not about learning from, from things a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, you know, five centuries ago. We're talking about learning from the last 10 years, something, you know, the mistakes of the past 10 years. People are not listening to. I mean, even a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old can today tell you, uh, you know, common sense, which, which, which those who represent society do not see as common sense. I understand it. We feel frustration. And that's what I'm saying, For different forms of depression are setting upon the ummah. But it's important that we remain proactive, true to the way of Rasulullah Why? Because when we have iman, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not talking about the light of a train coming towards us. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is another way of interpreting the light at the end of a tunnel. Somebody might say, well, I can see a light there. It could be a train coming towards you. That's, that's a disaster, right? But uh, I'm talking about light at the end of the tunnel, meaning there's light. 
uh, of the outside of, of us, uh, inshallah, getting out of the tunnel. And this is the reality of a mu'min, of a believer who is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it took 23 years before Mecca, before the idols were removed. Almost 23 years before the idols were removed from around the Kaaba. Right? The lesson from that is never lose hope in the mercy of Allah, keep on doing good, keep on being proactive, keep on teaching good, increase teaching good. Wallahi, you know, one of my teachers, Hafidahullah, may Allah preserve him. Sheikh Ja'far Idris, Hafidahullah, uh, you know, his advice was the, 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 more, uh, uh, the more evil that people do, the more evil that people teach, should inspire you to do more good should inspire you to become a better Muslim, should inspire you to teach good. If people teach bad, you should increase your teaching of good. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this sharia teaches us to repel evil with goodness. Subhanallah. What, what amazing advice. What amazing advice. So you know what my dear brothers and sisters, if, if you in your da'wah organizations have one sitting a week, make it two sittings now. One sitting a week to, to read from the Qur'an, read from the Sunnah, or share a lesson, or bring in a shaykh, make it two times now. This is the time when you increase, right? If you in your da'wah organization, if you have, have set specific targets to, of goodness that you want to achieve, this is the time for you to increase those targets. I'm not saying increase it in a way that causes hardship upon your organization, no. But even if you increase it by half a percent, by 0.1%, make sure you increase it. And tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Ya Allah, this is my repelling of the evil that I saw this week. This is my way uh, to help fix the evil that I saw this week, or the evil that I witnessed today. La ilaha illallah. This is the way, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Uh, apologies for taking some of your time. However, what was said needed to be said. Uh, brothers and sisters, we began discussing the blessings of Salah. And uh, in our last session, we said that Salah uh, is a means for us to invoke Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It helps us um, uh, attain taqwa. And um, one of the last things we were discussing was, was that um, uh, Salah is a means of uh, rewards both in this world and the afterworld. And I recited for you an ayah in, in, in Surah Baqarah, ayah number 277. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَوُوا الزَّكَاةَ لَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ I'm getting a message that says, uh, I can't hear the audio. Um, please just inform me immediately if, if, if uh, the audio uh, becomes inaudible. Jazakallah khairan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed those who believe and do righteous deeds and establish the prayer and give zakah, they will have their reward with their Lord and there will be no fear concerning them, nor will they grieve. So one of the benefits of salah, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, is that it, it helps us in the hereafter. Also from the blessings of salah is protection from shaitan. And uh, we spent some time discussing uh, the deception of shaitan earlier. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, says in 
Surah number 5, ayah number 91. Innama yuridu shaytanu ayyuqi'a baynakumul adawata wal baghda'a fil khamri wal maysiri wa yasuddakum an dhikrillahi wa'anis salah fahal antumuntahun. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that shaytan only wants to cause between you animosity and hatred through alcohol and through gambling. And shaytan wants to avert you from the remembrance of Allah and avert you from the salah. So will you not desist gambling and alcohol and all uh, the evil uh, of shaytan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who ponder over this ayah, uh, tells us that shaytan wants to bring about uh, enmity and sadness in your life. How? By making you engage in those activities that cause you to lose the remembrance of Allah, forget to remember Allah and forget about the salah. Right? Um, So, uh, in, 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 uh, what do we understand from this? We understand that a person who constantly remembers Allah and a person who constantly observes the salah, then this person uh, helps himself by protecting himself or herself from shaitan. Because shaitan wants you to do exactly the opposite so that shaitan can take hold of you. Right? So what should you do? Repel shaitan by doing exactly what shaitan does not want. And that is to observe the salah. And that is why we say from the benefits of salah is to... Um, uh, or, or sorry, from the benefits of salah is protection from shaitan. Also from the benefits and blessings of salah, my dear brothers and sisters, is protection from uh, immorality and uh, wrongdoing. Uh, and we discussed this in an earlier setting uh, when we introduced the topic of salah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah number 29, ayah number 45, uh, Allah says, أُتْلُ مَا أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَى عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ مَا تَصْنَعُونَ That recite, O Muhammad, what has been revealed to you of this Qur'an and establish the salah. Establish the prayer. Indeed, the salah prohibits immorality and wrongdoing, and the remembrance of Allah is greater, and Allah knows that which you do. Yes, indeed, the remembrance of Allah is greater. And as we said in other episodes, the salah from before the salah till after the salah is all about remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For before the salah, we have the adhan. Before the salah, we have the iqamah. This is all the remembrance of Allah. And then the salah from beginning till end is all about remembering Allah. There's no point in the salah where you are silent. Even between movements, you are not silent. Why? Because you are saying Allahu Akbar, Sami Allahu Liman Hamida. Right? So um, you are absolutely, absolutely, absolutely uh, not silent. You are absolutely uh, not silent, my dear brothers and sisters. It's all about the remembrance of Allah. And also after the salah, you have the adhkar after salah. Right? Uh, and even when you end the salah, you end it with the remembrance of Allah by saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So, uh, remembrance of Allah and salah indeed uh, protect us from wrongdoing. And um, I'm not sure if I told you this, uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna salata, that indeed the salah. Allah didn't say, Inna salatan. Allah didn't leave salah here indefinite. Allah didn't say, just any salah protects you from shaitan and protects you from uh, wrongdoing. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna salata, that indeed the salah, 
the salah, meaning the proper salah that's done with all its pillars, all its conditions, all its recommended acts, as well as with concentration, where you concentrate on what you read, you concentrate on what you say. This is the salah that helps develop you, that helps build you, that helps take you out of riba and interest, that helps um, uh, uh, take you away from pornography, that helps takes you away from uh, music, that helps takes you away from all that which is beloved to shaitan. It is this salat that helps may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala develop and grow our ability with our salat. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a manual, a training manual. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us uh, an exercise five times a day that helps us beat shaitan, helps us beat evil. This is a wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we also said in a previous lesson, that Allah made it five times a day, not six, not seven, not four. Because four would not be would not suffice. And six would make us lose the sweetness of the worship. So Allah gave us five. And wallahi, we know today how difficult it is for us to feel the sweetness of our salah, even in the five times daily salah that we pray, Allahul Musta'an, this is not an issue with the salah, rather it is an issue with the person observing the salah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better us. Ameen. This salah also my dear brothers and sisters is a means of uh, removing our sins. It's a means of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgiving us, right? For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith which is in Sahih al-Bukhari that the five daily prayers and the Jumu'ah to another Jumu'ah is an expiation of the sins committed between those times so as long as one is not guilty of major sins. Uh, so we learn from this, my dear brothers and sisters, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives the minor sins that happened bef- between uh, the Fajr prayer and the Dhuhr prayer and between the Dhuhr prayer and the Asr prayer and between the Asr prayer and the Maghrib prayer and between the Maghrib prayer and the Isha prayer and between the Isha prayer and the Fajr prayer Walillahi alhamd Subhanallah a training an exercise not only to help us against shaitan but an exercise to help us redeem ourselves after we've fallen La ilaha illallah. And that is why when a sahabi made a mistake and he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he, and, and, and he, he said that I wasn't uh, modest with, with, uh, uh, with a female, with a member of the opposite gender. Right? Uh, and I made mistakes and this is what I did. He didn't say he did adultery but he almost fell into adultery. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, did you pray the last prayer with us? That's what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him. Right? Teaching us that if you prayed the last prayer with us properly, the way it should be prayed, then you are forgiven, uh, insha'Allah. But for the major sins, no. The major sins require tawbah. Require tawbah. Adultery, riba, uh, not being kind to your parents. The major sins, right? Uh, the kabair. Uh, these sins are only forgiven once uh, you um, seek tawbah, seek repentance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repentance has its conditions and has its pillars and we've discussed uh, these pillars and conditions uh, in previous Zad lessons alhamd. Also, in terms of expiation of sins Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith in Sahih Muslim that whoever makes wudu at home and then walks to the house of Allah to perform one of the five prayers every step he takes wipes away a sin and the next step raises his status with Allah. La ilaha illallah. Wallahi, who, who, who wouldn't want to go to the masjid? 
Barakallahu feekum. Every step you take, Allah forgives your sin. And every raising of the leg you do to take the next step, Allah gives you a raised rank in terms of your hereafter. La ilaha illallah. Allahumma lakal hamd. Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi. Allahumma lakal hamd. Walakal shukr. Walakal thana'ul hasan. Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu. Walakal shukru kulluhu. Wa ilayka yurja'ul amru kulluhu. Ala niyatuhu wa sirruhu. Fa ahlun anta an tu'bad. Wa ahlun anta an tuhmad. Wa anta ala kulli shayin qadir. La ilaha illallah. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most deserving of the most special of praises. Wallahi, we don't have an ability in and of, its, of ourselves to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, Alhamdulillah, Allah has taught us how to praise Him in the best way. And these are from the best praises that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So these are a means uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uses to forgive us. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a means of our forgiveness, walking to the masjid, as well as observing the different salawat. Also, um, another narration that teaches us that salah is a means of our forgiveness is um, uh, the statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and reported by Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah and in it he says that the angels keep on asking Allah's forgiveness for any one of you as long as he is at the musalla meaning at the praying place and he does not break his wudu they say oh Allah forgive him oh Allah be merciful to him Subhanallah. You know, simply whilst waiting for the Imam to come, the angels are asking Allah to forgive us. And this should teach us, my dear brothers and sisters, that we need to make our way to the masjid as soon as we hear the adhan. It shouldn't be that you go to the masjid as soon as you hear the iqamah. And if you are working in your da'wah organization and you have a musalla in, in, your, in your premises, uh, and in that musalla uh, you observe salah together, then let it not be a case where you stay in your office until you hear the iqamah. As soon as you hear the adhan, Get up, make wudu, and take your steps to the musalla, and 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 observe what Allah makes easy for you to pray before um, the, the, um, the main the, the, the compulsory prayer begins, and then observe the compulsory prayer while smiling, knowing that in all these minutes I've been here, a pure creation. The angels have been asking Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and begging Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to forgive me. Wallahi, we spoke earlier about being smart. Worshipping smart, not just worshipping hard. Wallahi, this is a smart way to worship Allah. You know, where it's, it's, you, know you, you work hard by asking Allah to forgive you, and you work smart by making the angels ask Allah to forgive you. La ilaha illallah. You know, we talk about common sense. Here is common sense, my dear brothers and sisters. How many of us follow common sense? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Also, my dear brothers and sisters, um, when you begin the prayer, you actually ask Allah for forgiveness. So this is another reason why we say salah is a means of forgiveness. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith which is uh, acceptable uh, that when you begin the prayer, uh, when you begin the prayer after saying Allahu Akbar, uh, you should say, Oh Allah, put a great distance between me and my mistakes. A great distance as the distance you have made between the east and the west. Oh Allah, cleanse me of my sins. As a white garment is, is cleansed from filth. 
O Allah, wash away my sins with water and with snow and with ice. Subhanallah. So this is one of the ways to begin the salah. This is one of the ways to begin the salah by and, and, and by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you in such an eloquent way. Also, my dear brothers and sisters, if you say Ameen properly, then this is a means of one's previous sins being forgiven. For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith which is found in both Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, that when the Imam says Ameen, after reciting Surah Fatiha, say Ameen. Because if you say Ameen at the same time, as the Imam, uh, sorry, if you say Ameen at the same time, the angels say Ameen. If you say Ameen at the same time, the angels say Ameen. Then all of your sins committed are wiped away. Right? That all your sins you have committed are wiped away. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Right? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Wallahi, how many times does shaitan make us forget these wonderful narrations? These wonderful narrations that, and wallahi, there's nobody who's truly intelligent uh, who would leave salah after uh, listening to, to these ahadith, and, and in particular, leave salah in the masjid. Leave salah in the masjid. You know, somebody says, well, let's pray here, let's pray with the imam. Uh, or pray, praying in congregation rather. You know, pray by myself or pray in congregation. Nobody would would uh, uh, would uh, think twice, my dear brothers and sisters. Say, no, let's pray in jama'ah, let's pray together. Why? Because, you know, if our amins match, the, the amin of the angels will be forgiven. Um, you know, also, uh, walking to, to, to the congregational prayer has so many benefits. Walillahi alhamd. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly grant us the understanding. Also, every time you make ruku and you make sujood, your sins fall away. For the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith which is acceptable, when the worshipper stands up in prayer, all his sins are brought and placed upon his head and shoulders. So whenever he bows and prostrates, they fall from him. <sighs> you know, wallahi, I, I feel like stopping the lesson right now. I feel overwhelmed. And... Um, I feel the need to just, you know, for us to just sit back and take a deep breath and just ponder over Allah's blessings upon us. You know, and, and, and just taking this discussion to um, the earlier discussion that I shared when I spoke about, you know, let us work towards creating a better world 50 years from now, a world where the Muslims have a voice, a world where the Muslims have a real, you know, have real power to create positive change. And, and, and I told you, why don't we start with salah? You know, some people, they laugh. When you say, listen, why don't you pray your salah better? They laugh. And they say, is that all you can say? Is that all you can say? No, we need to be doing other things. Look, I don't deny we need to be doing other things. But don't you agree that the best thing and the most important thing and the one thing that deserves most of our time and our emotion and our, 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 our thoughts and our energies is salah? Is salah? Isn't our sins a means of our, uh, our retrogression? Isn't, aren't we where we are because of our sins? Uh, isn't the situation what it is because of our sins? And isn't the salah the greatest way to, to earn uh, help from Allah and to have this, these, uh, these sins that are blocking our progress? Uh, isn't the salah the greatest means towards having these sins removed? Wallahi, you, you can't speak enough about salah. You can't speak enough about salah. And don't belittle somebody telling you increase dua and make salah. You know, some people say, look, you know, these comments make salah, make zakah, we've heard it, it's, it's old, it's, we've been there and we've done that. Right? 
we've been there and we've done that. You know, tell us something else. Tell us something else, Shaykh. Tell us something else we can do. No, go pray salah. Go improve your salah. Go improve your salah. When the Prophet ﷺ was visited by a person and the person said, Teach me something, O Prophet of Allah. He said, Don't get angry. He said, Okay, teach me something else. He said, Don't get angry. He said, Teach me something else. He said, Don't get angry. Subhanallah. Right? Rasulullah is repeating the same advice. Telling this, as if he's telling this person, you're belittling this advice that I'm giving you. Trust me, not getting angry is super important. It's, it's all of importance. It's a big matter in your life. It's heavy on your scales of good deeds. Leaving anger. So, this is the same thing, my dear brothers and sisters, you should share with those who might smirk, who might be sarcastic, when you tell them, you know what? That's better than prayer. You know? Somebody phones you up, brother, I'm very upset. Sister, I'm very upset. Why? Have you seen the news? I'm very upset. Say, you know, go, go and observe your salah and go and ask Allah for forgiveness for the weaknesses that we have with our salah. And don't accept sarcasm from them or don't ex- ex- uh, accept them belittling this advice. You know, if they smirk, say, are you belittling the advice? And maybe send them a link to this lecture or maybe you yourself read these different narrations that, that, that I'm sharing. Wallahi, this is the best way we can speak. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, Wallahi, the best way we can speak is by speaking the speech of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all I'm doing in, in, the, in our lesson today, uh, point after point is sharing a hadith. Or sharing an ayah from the Quran. This is not from myself, wallahi. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding. Furthermore, every sujood we make is a means of us being forgiven. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith in Sahih Muslim, make a lot of sujood, because for every time you make a prostration to Allah, your rank is raised and your sin is forgiven. Sitting between the sajdas is a means for us to ask Allah for forgiveness and a means for us to be forgiven. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us, um, or in the sitting between the two sajdas, we say, Oh my Lord, forgive me. Right? We say, Rabbi ghfirli. Right? And, and there are other things uh, that we have been taught from the sunnah that uh, carry the meaning of us seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. Right? Also, the angels pray for our forgiveness after the salah as they pray for our forgiveness before the salah when we wait for the salah to begin. Right? Because um, in, a, in a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, the Prophet said that the angels will pray for you as long as you are in the same position that you just prayed in and don't break your wudu. Right? And we shared this hadith earlier. Right? So after the prayer, don't be in a rush to get up and leave the masjid. Sit for as long as you can sit. Yes, if you need to go somewhere and do something, that's a different circumstance. But don't make it a habit where you make an excuse to do something as soon as the prayer finishes. You make it a habit of yours to do so. No, my dear brothers and sisters. Right? Try your best to be conscious. If somebody needs to call you and and you say after salah, he says, just give me an exact time. Don't give him the minute that the imam finishes. Give him five minutes after. If you can, if you have the time. Why? Because as you hear from this hadith, the angels ask Allah to forgive us for as long as we remain seated after the salah and we engage in remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also my dear brothers and sisters, um, after the salah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us to say astaghfirullah three times. What does astaghfirullah mean? Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. 
right? And the Prophet wasallam said, whoever recites after every prayer, Subhanallah, 33 times, Alhamdulillah, 33 times, Allahu Akbar, 33 times, and completes uh, the hundred with the statement, there is no God uh, except Allah, he is one and he has no partner with him, he is the sovereignty and he is the praise, and he is uh, omnipotent, he will have all his sins pardoned, even if they may be as large as the foam on the surface of the sea. Subhanallah. And this narration is in Sahih Muslim. Allah, how long does it take for us, my dear brothers and sisters, to say Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, 33 times? Allah, how long? How many minutes? May Allah protect us from shaitan and, and forgetfulness. Ameen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. Indeed, whoever Allah guides, none can misguide. Wallahi, if you are guided towards these adhkar after salah, know and understand that it's because Allah wanted to forgive you, so He inspired you to take the means of forgiveness. May Allah grant us the understanding. Ameen. The Prophet ﷺ also said that there are two qualities which no Muslim person attains, but he will enter paradise. And they are easy. But those who do earn them are few. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ said the five daily prayers. And after each prayer, one of you glorifies Allah ten times. And then praises Him ten times. And then magnifies Him, meaning says Allahu Akbar ten times. Right? which makes 150 on the tongue and 1,500 in the balance. And I saw the Messenger ﷺ counting them on his hands. And when one of you retires to his bed, before he sleeps at night, he says Subhanallah 33 times, and Alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times. That is 100 on the tongue and 1,000 in the balance. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ said, So which one of you does 2,500 bad deeds in a day and a night? And it was said, O Messenger of Allah, how can a person not persist in doing this quantity of, 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 of evil? And he ﷺ said, The shaitan comes to one of you when he is praying and says, Remember such and such, remember such and such. Or he comes to him when he is in bed and makes him fall asleep. Right? So basically this hadith is teaching us that shaitan attempts to make you forget remembering Allah even whilst you're in the prayer and even before you go to sleep. Why? Because shaitan knows that Allah has blessed us with these adhkar. If we do it, it kills shaitan's day. It makes shaitan's day a worthless day. Shaitan might think he's winning because he made you do this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin. Subhanallah. Right? But then, before you end the day, you do this and Allah forgives you and nullifies the work of shaitan in an instant. This is how you defeat shaitan, my dear brothers and sisters. By not losing hope in Allah. By asking Allah for forgiveness. By taking the means of forgiveness as taught to us by Rasulullah wasallam. This is how you slap shaitan in the face. Right? This is how you, you, you belittle him. This is how you make him irrelevant. This is how uh, the, 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 this is how you rebuke shaitan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Now, um, at, the, at the beginning of the hadith, we, we, we heard the statement after each prayer, one says, uh, Subhanallah ten times, and Alhamdulillah ten times, and Allahu Akbar uh, ten times, right? Um, 
so is this a contradiction uh, with the ahadith that tell us to do it 33 times? No, it's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. Because we have some narrations that say, say uh, subhanallah 33 times, alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times, which makes it 100. Some narrations say you do it all 33 times and then you say La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulku wa lahulhamduhu ala kulli shayin qadir. And then in this narration you say subhanallah 10 times, alhamdulillah 10 times and Allahu Akbar 10 times. Right? Um, so there's no contradiction. Rather the scholars tell us that these are different ways to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after the salah. Right? And this is a mercy from Allah. Why? Because if you only remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in one way, or one fashion, or one manner, then what happens is you become accustomed to remembering Allah like that, and you start losing concentration. It becomes like a robotic movement. And I'm sure you've experienced it, or you've seen, you've seen it with other people. That they, they do the dhikr, it's like, it's, it's, it's like a robotic thing. Right? It's like um, they finish the salah and the fingers start moving and... Uh, there's really no concentration. It's so fast and a person then gets up and leaves. Right? Um, so the Sharia is telling us to assist ourselves in protecting our worship from becoming a norm. How? By uh, being dynamic. By being dynamic uh, in, in terms of the adhkar that we offer so that our concentration is always there. It's not a robotic movement. Right? Um, you, you, you make the decision at the time, let me do it in this way this time, let me do it in that way that time, and so on and so forth. It keeps you true, it keeps you sincere, it keeps you present. I hope this makes sense, my dear brothers and sisters. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Um, So these are the many narrations, my dear brothers and sisters, that teach us how we receive uh, great blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the blessings of the salah. Uh, but in terms of uh, tangible benefits, are there tangible benefits to the prayer? Meaning uh, benefits we can feel here and now. Um, or, um, you know, not just a benefit which we can fathom uh, and have a vision of, but are there tangible benefits to the salah? And the answer to that question is yes, my dear brothers and sisters. There are tangible benefits to the salah as well. So we've gone through the spiritual benefits um, and we've gone through the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa with regards to that. Uh, but there are also tangible benefits, right, of the salah. Such as, for example, unity. From the benefits of salah is becoming an ummah that is more united because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings us together in our local masjid, or in a masjid in general, five times a day. So we are able to be closer to each other and more united. And we are able to know who is sick for that day and go and visit him and meet him. And this brings, up, brings about more love. And because we're meeting each other more often, we are able to make salam to each other. And this brings about more love. You know, today they say we live in an age of technology. Everybody's connected. And I say, no, we're more disconnected today than before. We more disconnected in the age of connection than we were in the ages of no connections. Let's be honest. Wallahi, today you, you, you would see your Muslim brother that you haven't seen for a year and you wouldn't even hug him. Why? Because you on some WhatsApp group and you know, even though you don't chat to each other, you chat at each other. 
Yani, you feel like you connected to the person, so you meet him after one year and it doesn't even cross your mind that subhanAllah, I haven't seen you in a year. I'm telling you, this, has, this happens and this has happened and I'm sure many of you here can relate and you can drop me a message in, in, in the box below uh, if I'm speaking sense. Right? So this is why I'm saying we are more disconnected today than we are connected, Allahul Musta'an. It's just a fact of life. Right? Um, but the masjid allows us to be truly connected because we connect with our bodies and souls at the same time together. Right? Uh, our bodies and souls are together at the same time. So Allah gives us that ability and thus from the tangible benefits of salah is creating an atmosphere of more unity. And as we discussed, or, um, uh, or in fact we didn't discuss it, but I actually shared it in, in, in another class that I teach on international radio every Friday, uh, Radio Islam International, we're discussing the etiquettes of the salam. And one of the lessons I shared with them is how the salam increases unity. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, should I not show you a practice that if you are frequent with it, it will increase love between uh, each other or between yourselves. And then he said, um, spread the salam between yourselves. So when you meet each other five times a day and you greet each other uh, at least more than once with the salam on that day, then you've strengthened the bond of unity. Alhamdulillah. Right? So from the tangible benefits of salah is unity. Also from the tangible benefits of salah is an ability to develop focus. To be focused. Yes. Because salah requires you to be a khashir. Requires you to be content in the salah. And to be content in the salah you have to focus. You have to focus on what you're praying. You have to focus on the fact that you are standing in front of Allah. You have to focus on the fact that this is salah. You have to focus on, on, on your ruku' on your sujood, and the uh, different adhkar. Right? So it, it, you, you can't be praying salah and, and at the same time writing a WhatsApp message. <laughs> oh, Allah musta'an. Uh, sorry I shared that, but uh, the reason why I shared that is because today we drive and we on, we, we, we're typing messages. Right? We, we, we drive and we're on the mobile phone. You can't be in salah and, and speaking to your wife or speaking to your husband or speaking to your, to your business manager. Right? right, some of you are saying lol. This is another word of the age, lol. Allahu musta'an. <laughs> right? Uh, today people laugh, not by laughing, they laugh by saying lol. Right? I was, I was chatting to somebody one day and I was saying some things and they were, and they were telling me lol. I'm not talking about typing on, on, on a telegram group or whatsapp group or via text message. Honestly, I, they were in front of me and I was saying something and, and, and they said lol. So, so they're actually laughing, but not laughing. They're laughing by a word, saying "lol." Well, why? This is the age we, we've. <laughs> this is this is the age we've come in, you know. And and um, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's become a verb today. They say, "Oh, he's lolling," and she's lolling, and that's a loller. Any. <laughs> Anyway, we, we're digressing and sidetracking, but يعني, uh, wallahi, we live in interesting times, everything is interesting. So, um, salah brings about focus, my dear brothers and sisters. It brings about focus. It helps us focus. And wallahi, today we don't focus. You know, we don't. We don't. Today in salah, the phone is, is, is vibrating. And your mind is thinking, who's calling me? Right? This is what happens. Right? We, we talk to people, whilst we're talking to them, we're on the phone. We, we're typing to somebody, we, we don't focus on people, we don't focus on things. Wallahi, today, you know, even a, a one hour lecture is too long. 
A 40-minute lecture is too long. A 20-minute lecture today is too long. Alright? Look how many people are in class right now. And I knew it. The moment we start sending detailed notes and sending uh, the recordings to people in a systematic way, mashallah, like the, the, the team is doing. May Allah reward the Zad al-Ma'ad team. I don't know what happened yesterday to the team. The, uh, <laughs> uh, three emails went out with different timings. <laughs> it happens, right? Um, but nonetheless, um, the Zad al-Ma'ad team, may Allah bless them. They're doing great work. Look at the detailed notes that come to you, brothers and sisters, weekly. Uh, and, and even the recordings come to you uh, weekly. I knew once this happens, people will stop coming to class. Because that's it. People don't have the ability to, fo- to, to, to focus. And everybody wants it as a fast food. No, why should I cook a meal that needs half an hour of my time? Let me just pass by the fast food place and get it in an instant. Right? And we want to seek ilm like this as well. We want it fast food type of seeking knowledge. This is, this is how we've become. We don't have focus. We need to develop a sense of focus. And people tell me, Shaykh, how do I become more focused in my life? Which book should I read? I say, start with your salah. Salah teaches you focus. Salah teaches you focus. It teaches you to focus. Right? Because you have to look down. And you've got to concentrate on the reading of the Imam. Allah says, وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ that when the, when the Qur'an is being recited, don't just, don't just give, give the Qur'an your ear. No, give the Qur'an an attentive ear. Listen to it. Don't just hear it. Listen to it. And pay attention to it. وَأَنصِتُ Pay attention. Don't just be quiet daydreaming. Be silent whilst focusing and giving attention to the recitation. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ So perhaps um, you, you, um, a mercy, you may become from those engulfed by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. So salah teaches us focus. As salah teaches us unity. Also from the tangible benefits of salah is that salah teaches us calmness. It teaches us, teaches us how to be, you know, calm. Right? Because you can't be praying salah, uh, you know, uh, as if you're doing aerobics exercise. Let's be honest. And we know that the man who walked into the masjid and prayed salah as if he was stretching... <laughs> Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told him to repeat the salah. Right? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about the person who rushes in his or her salah, that if this person's heart was calm and content, the bodily actions and features would be, harm, would be calm and con- uh, content as well. So salah teaches us calmness because we have to be calm. It teaches us how to drive on the speed limit. It teaches us how not to cut people on the road. Allah al-Musta'an. Allah al-Musta'an. In the Muslim countries, subhanAllah, everybody's cutting everybody on the road. Nobody, you know, it teaches us how, to, how not to cut in, into, peop, into a queue, but how to stand at the back of the queue. Be calm. Be collected. Be cool. It teaches us how not to react. Just now we were discussing, should we be reactionary human beings or be proactive human beings? Salah teaches us how to be proactive and not to react. Something happens, be calm. Going to ruku' in a calm way. So salah teaches us calmness and contentment. Because it can only be done properly in a calm and content way. Also from the tangible benefits of salah is that salah teaches us how to, how to work in a team. How to follow the leader and how to be a leader. Allahu Akbar. It teaches us this. Five times a day salah is giving us this training. Why? Because uh, the imam is the leader. 
and the Imam has been told not to make the salah so long that it affects the followers. He needs to be a leader. The Imam is told to, to recite in an audible voice. He needs to lead. Right? And the Imam is taught how to be inspirational. The leader has to be inspirational. Salah teaches us how to be inspirational leaders because the Imam recites the Qur'an, the most inspirational words anybody can, uh, can hear. So the followers are inspired behind the Imam. And that's why my dear brothers and sisters, when you lead your teams, lead them with the Qur'an. Lead them with the Sunnah. Because the Qur'an and the Sunnah is inspirational in and of itself. So Salah teaches us how to be amazing leaders, how to lead a team. Because the Salah only allows us to speak inspirational speech. And speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most inspirational speech, right? To recite the most inspirational speech. Apologies for the slip of the tongue. So, um, Salah teaches us how to be amazing leaders. And Salah teaches us how to be amazing followers. That we shouldn't go get ahead of our leaders. We should advise them but not uh, abuse them. We should not belittle them. Because the Salah doesn't allow you to say Ameen before the Fatiha has finished. And doesn't, does not allow you to uh, go into Ruku'ah before the Imam goes into Ruku'ah. Does not allow you to go into Sujood before the Imam uh, goes into Sujood. Subhanallah. Look at that. Salah teaches us our positions in life. The leader is the leader. And the leader enjoys priorities which the followers don't enjoy. Respect. Respect the tiers of leadership. Respect the positions in the organization. Respect the positions in society. These are tangible benefits that Salah teaches us as well. Wallahi, the next time you want to do a training course in your company, make them pray Salah. <laughs> That's the best training course. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars getting a professional trainer to come in and run training courses. Look, you must do that. That's beneficial, of course. There's benefits in it, no doubt. But you've lost the most important benefit if you haven't spoken about Salah in your training course. Because Salah is the practical daily exercise to help us revise the most amazing lessons that we would want to learn uh, as human beings living on earth. Allahu Akbar. Salah, another tangible benefit, it teaches us not to speak over each other. And it teaches us when to speak. Because when the Imam is reciting, we have to pay attention and be silent and listen. How many of us listen to people today? We stand in front of them and we're not even listening to them. Salah teaches us how to communicate, effective communication skills. Right? It teaches us effective communication skills. Because the salah doesn't allow us to speak when the imam is reciting. And it doesn't allow us to say ameen except after the fatiha is finished. Then you say ameen. It tells us our points when we can speak. Subhanallah. Also from the benefits of salah, my dear brothers and sisters, is that salah teaches us how to be dynamic and not static. It teaches us how to be dynamic in our day. That we shouldn't be doing the same thing every day, all the time. It teaches us that we shouldn't go to work using the same route every time. Yes, we should have a rhythm in our life and we should have certain things that are in routine. But not everything has to be upon a fixed routine. So the Salah teaches us to add spice to our lives. Why? So that the thing that you're doing doesn't become boring. You don't have to sit and have a meeting every day. One day, get some treadmills in the office 
and let everybody walk on the treadmills whilst we have the meeting. At a slow pace, of course. Why not? Let's do something different. Let's spice it up a little bit. <laughs> right? Right? Um, uh, Salah teaches us to spice up our, our life so that, you know why? So that you don't become bored of what you're doing. And your life always remains fresh. And we learn this from how the, 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 uh, you know, our Sharia teaches us to recite different things in our Salah. The Sharia doesn't say recite إِنَّا al الْكَوْثَرَ and وَالْعَصَرَ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ in every Salah. Right? Right? It doesn't. It tells us to recite as much of the Qur'an as we can. Just now we discussed after the Salah, the Adhkar. There's different ways of doing it. So you don't become bored and it doesn't, you know, it's not a robotic kind of process. You worship Allah as a robot. No. You worship Allah in a dynamic way where you're excited to all the time and, and, and uh, because Allah knows us as human beings. Right? So Salah teaches us to be dynamic. But Salah also teaches us that we need to have some static features in our day. There has to be things which are routined. You shouldn't shift them here and there, otherwise you won't succeed with them. How does Salah teach us this? By making Surah Fatiha something you have to read in every unit of prayer. Fatiha, you have to read it in every unit of prayer. That's a static matter in our salah. So we learn that in our life we should have static matters and we should have dynamic matters. And we learn that we should be, or we learn that our dynamic matters should be more than our static matters. Because in salah, only the Fatiha is static. Meaning, uh, in terms of, uh, there are other static matters like the takbir going into ruku, coming out of ruku. But if you, if you compare the static matters um, uh, with, uh, you know, with regards to the, the matters that are not static, you see there's balance. You see there's balance. So Salah teaches us that in our day we should have static things that we do every day. We never ever leave them out. We might have to do it at the same time. Like our Salah or recitation of the Quran and our study and so on and so forth. But in the same breath we should have dynamic matters. Our day shouldn't be, meaning the entire day shouldn't be the same as yesterday. That's basically what Salah is teaching us. Right? This is what Salah is teaching us. Also, Salah teaches us uh, from the tangible benefits of Salah. Uh, salah teaches us that we should be, uh, or we should have, uh, or in terms of, of being dynamic, uh, the Salah shows us this by giving us different positions of worship in the Salah. The Salah doesn't say, worship Allah only standing, worship Allah only bowing, worship Allah only in sujood. Worship Allah only sitting. No. Salah says, Allah te- the Salah says, worship Allah while standing, then whilst bowing, then whilst in sujood, then while sitting. Allahu Akbar. So Salah is teaching us, be dynamic. Right? Even in how you, how you do one thing, be dynamic. You know, studying is one thing, but there are different ways to study. Sometimes you can study by listening to audio. Sometimes you can study by working on a computer. Sometimes you can study with a textbook. Sometimes you can study in a group. So be dynamic in how you do it. Because this is better for your heart and your soul. And you know, you living life and tasting life. So Salah teaches this as well. Teaches us this as well. In how it shifts us from position to position. Salah also teaches us that in our day, we need to be active and we also need to rest. We need to be passive and we need to be active. Yes, how? Salah gives us ruku'. 
Oh, sorry, salah gives us the standing after ruku and between the sujood. The scholars say this is a period of rest. Right? And then salah gives us a sitting period between the two sujood. The scholars say this is a period of rest. Salah gives us a sitting period between two raka'ats. So you pray two, then you sit for a little bit, and then you stand up to pray another two. This is a period of rest. So salah is teaching us that in your day, make sure you have moments to rest. But salah is teaching us that make sure you are more active than passive. Because if you look at uh, the ratio of action in salah, it's more than the ratio of being passive or less active in your salah. So salah teaches us you must sleep, you must rest, but don't make your whole day about sleeping and resting. And don't make 51% of your day about sleeping and resting. Unless you're in an abnormal circumstance, you're in hospital and so on and so forth, this is a different situation. But I think you get the gist of what I'm saying, my dear brothers and sisters. Right? You get the gist of what I'm saying. Right? Uh, that, that if you ponder over the salah, it's teaching us so many tangible things, wallahi, that we can benefit uh, in our day. Right? Um, subhanallah. Wallahi, I can go on and on, but our time has come to an end. Uh, I'm also overwhelmed. Uh, wallahi, this, this, there's things here uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened upon me in, in, in this lecture. However, I did do a series of short lectures with the daily reminder. Um, they short four or five minute videos regarding what Salah teaches us. And a lot of the points that I've shared are summarized there. So if you just go to Salah, te- uh, let me try and Google it for you right now and see if I can find it. Um, uh, Bismillah. Yeah, if, if you Google uh, Salah teaches us and then write Sajid Umar, uh, there's a few videos that will come up. I did about five or six videos, but uh, just on, in this Google search, I can already see three. Um, so if you just Google Salah teaches us, um, uh, you'll actually find it. Um, oh, and Brother Hisham, mashallah, uh, is uh, putting up um, the links for you. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, I really had a fun time with you all uh, in this lesson. Um, all good things must come to an end. I love you all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with us, to accept from us. Um, you know, Allah, everything I shared with you is from the heart. I, I don't mean to offend anybody or uh, sound like I'm scolding anybody or, you know, say anybody's wrong. No, all I'm doing when I share a perspective is not to say you're wrong, but I'm, I'm saying that just... Give yourself a chance to be wrong and perhaps just consider uh, what's being said from the other end. Uh, perhaps we may become uh, better human beings. And I reiterate, I'm here to learn from you all as well. So please feel free to write to me and, and, and share with me advice and, and allow um, um, my knowledge to grow and my perceptions to grow. Uh, indeed, Allah has tested me by um, you know, uh, putting people out there who, who look for my guidance. Wallah, I consider this a test. And I ask you to make dua that Allah makes this test a blessing for me uh, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, making me able and capable uh, in being a means of good guidance for the ummah. Uh, you make that dua for me. Jazakumullah uh, khairan. Until next Saturday, my dear brothers and sisters, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us in his obedience. Ameen. Uh, please uh, send a message to the other attendees and tell them um, uh, to attend. Tell them to attend um, and to prefer attending this lesson live uh, to the other things that they 
they doing? Yes, they can listen to the recordings and read the notes, but no doubt there's greater barakah in attending live. Hada wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والله تعالى أعلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته